Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. Now, last week I went to Arkhamoto out in Eugene, Oregon to visit their founder and CEO, Mark Fronmeyer. Mark rolled out the green carpet for me. So you got to check out everything they're working on out there. Yeah, including the Mean Lean Machine, the Roadster, uh, and I got to ride the FUV. And I even got a tour of the Ramp Factory. So I can't wait to show you everything next on In Depth. <laughs> And today's show is brought to you by our friends at CCAN. Now, a quick reminder, only a few weeks are left before our friends at the Chesapeake Climate Action Network Action Fund give away a luxury Tesla or launch edition Rivian pickup truck as part of their summer raffle. We've highlighted CCAN this summer as a nonprofit promoting clean energy in the fight against heat waves, floods, and other climate impact. In fact, the group played a big role in passing the huge federal climate change bill earlier this month that invests tens of billions of dollars in U.S. electric car manufacturing and rebates. We're grateful for their work. And now you can join CCAN's creative fundraiser that gives you the chance to win a top-of-the-line Tesla or Rivian truck while helping their good cause. And here's the update. The raffle is still undersold. The group has sold only around 3,500 tickets with about 2,000 still unpurchased. That's fantastic news for anyone who's already bought a ticket or wants one now. Visit evraffle.org to take advantage of these ridiculously good odds. Another reminder, the group went out and actually bought a Rivian truck. They have it in their garage, in mint condition, and you get the keys the days of the drawing. No waiting. And if a Rivian isn't what you want, the winner can choose a build-your-own Tesla instead, with up to $135,000 in Tesla credits to play with. Amazing. All this for a ticket price of just $200. Again, tickets are undersold. All proceeds fund the nonprofit's incredible work to save the planet. So buy your tickets today at evraffle.org. Your odds may never be better. So first I got to drive the FUV, which I realized I don't think I've gotten to drive before. Sorry. I've always been so excited to ride it. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. So Jesse never let me drive it before. Oh, really? So, yeah. Uh, I had to leave him behind to actually get to drive it because it's so much fun he wouldn't let me drive it. Nice. So then Mark took us on a tour uh, in all the roadsters up to the top of one of the buttes so we got a great view of beautiful Eugene. I feel like we need Owen Wilson on the ride to just keep going. Wow. Wow. Welcome to Eugene. This is beautiful. Wow. What a pretty town. Then I got to take the Arkhamoto Roadster for a drive. You ready for this? Oh yeah, right, so I think I am. Um, I think I'm stealing this from Mark, but I'm not sure if he knows that yet. Uh, it's not gonna fit in your carry-on, <laughs> I can tell you that much. Well, we might just take the uh, road back to Massachusetts. It'll only take 20 days or something, but. So let's talk about the Roadster for a minute. Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody knows what the Roadster is. Uh, look, I didn't understand it. Like, I understood that it was a three-wheeled vehicle, much like the FUV, where you take the top off of it, and it's more like a motorcycle ride. Mm -hmm. And I saw it, and I was like, this is cool for some people, but it ain't for me. And then I got on it, mm -hmm. and I realized I'm not a motorcycle guy, but it is for me. I was enjoying the heck out of it. I am on the roadster now, folks. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. I kind of forget about this product. But this is uh, something to be excited about. This has a whole different wind in your face feel. Uh, you're probably just getting a lot of wind noise right now on the microphone, but that's because uh, there's just this little windshield here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes, this is something else. Something. Else. Oh, Jesse, I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> oh wow, this thing is amazing to feel. Wowie wow. Here we go. Oh yeah. Oh ho, ho, ho. yes. Wow. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yes. Yes. Oh, ho, ho. Woo uh, this is just another roadster that Jesse didn't get to ride in. I think I'm now what two and zero with you, Jesse. We got the roadsters in uh, Copenhagen. Imagine this driving through Copenhagen. God, Mark, you just changed my life. Let me just tell you, I knew about this product, but I didn't understand it at all. And this is so much like Tesla's with butts and seats. You have to experience this to understand it. Yeah. It is mind blowing. It is so, it's, it's that to the next level. Like, holy crap. Yeah, you just get the full world. Yeah, I'm just permanently laughing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me ride this. This was a blast. Do you need to calm down? I need bit? to calm down a little bit. I totally need to calm down. Now, what's the difference between the FUV and the Roadster? Because they look like they have a very similar footprint. Yeah, it's kind of like if you were talking to an alien about the difference between a car, a motorcycle, and an e-bike or something. They'd be like, they're all on wheels. What is the difference, human? But when you're on a Roadster, you're riding more like a motorcycle. So you've got that kind of feel. Uh, it's not a full windscreen, so you're getting wind in your face. Uh, when you're in the FUV, obviously you have the full windscreen, you're sitting more upright, and you've got the you know fully protected thing. So uh, it's just a different feel. Now, uh, what is on the side of this Roadster? Yeah, so these are both Mark's personal vehicles, and he's got a dog, and they've been testing out, um, I don't think they have a name for it yet, an official name, but it's where you can put your pup. And so on his FUV, they've got uh, one of those sidecars, and it's got a little windscreen. And then they've done the second version, which is on the Roadster, which has a bar over the top so you can hook the leash on there so that your pup can't hop away. I really like the look of this. I like it too. And it's really functional because you don't just have to use it for a puppy. You can also use it for groceries. Yeah. And I kind of want one on either side. Is that feasible? <laughs> Probably. Although it would make it a little hard to get in. I, I suppose I just, it looks so much more substantial on the road. I feel like people are going to like give you, oh, oh, okay, it's a big, it's a big vehicle. It doesn't well, look like Well, that's what I liked wheels. about the Roadster is that unlike a motorcycle, this is a lot of visibility. So I never felt like I was going to be edged out on, mm -hmm. you know, and I got onto the highway on it too. Um, and we were going highway speeds and I felt really safe. That's really cool. And I, I yeah, I really love the sidecar look. I, I would opt for two of them. And I even wonder if they can incorporate that into like added crash safety. I'm just thinking for like Amazon delivery and stuff. If you had that just piled up with, you know, Santa Claus style gifts and packages. Like, sure. You know, just yeah, seems, Santa on a roadster. Ah, that'd be sweet. So then we got back to Arkimoto and I got to ride on the Mean Lean Machine, which is their new three-wheeled, I guess you'd call it an e-bike, but mm -hmm. it, it leans and it's got three wheels. So it's very different from an e-bike. And I'd seen it like we'd all seen it, but I hadn't got to ride it. And it turns out, I think I'm one of the first people outside the company to get to ride on it. 
might be the first one outside the company to actually get us really so, <laughs> dude thanks, thanks for being wow i showed up on the right day really cool now the day that i was there the pedal function wasn't working yet they were still working on some software but i did get to experience it with the thumb throttle here's the thing i'm getting older and so i think a lot about safety when i hop onto a bike more so than i did when i was in my say 20s mm -hmm. and i do not want to fall off a bike and you remember we were up in provincetown we were riding our e-bikes around we got a little bit reckless and one day we were driving back to the campsite and i kind of hit a curb a little bit wrong. I mm -hmm. went up into some grass and luckily I pulled it out the last second. Didn't have to drive me to the hospital. But I was thinking two-wheeled e-bikes can be a little dangerous if you hit gravel or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I went on an e-bike about a month ago and yeah, just hit this little weird tuft of grass basically. And so the bike basically stopped going in that direction and I kept going in that direction. So I fell off of the bike and, you know, it wasn't a big deal for me. I had a little scraped knee. I didn't cry. It was just a little boo-boo. Um, but... Uh, that could be a very serious fall for some people if they're not expecting it. I mean, that could be ride ending and you know, the last time you're going to ride an e-bike. Right. Plus, this is a different feel. Uh, you're sitting back almost like Harley style. Mm -hmm. And so you don't feel hunched up over and you're not high up. You're low down. So the center of gravity is low. I just felt really safe. And I felt like even if I did something kind of dumb uh, because it's got three wheels, I wouldn't tip off. Yeah. And I mean, it, the neat part is that there's four motors on it. Uh, three act as motors, and the fourth is your pedal control. And it's too bad you couldn't get to test that out. I think that right. that is a very important piece of it, especially for avid cyclists who are, you know, getting on an age and want that safety. Right. But it would also allow you to basically use this as a stationary bicycle and to charge it up. Right. Now, the version I was on is called the Cybertrike. It's kind of the midline model. We don't have pricing on it yet. There's going to be a baseline model called the Sidewinder. Uh, then the top line model will be the Mean Lean Machine. I don't know if they'll come up with another name. Um, and we don't, again, know the pricing, but I'm very excited because I think this is going to be a really safe option for a lot of people, um, even though it won't be, you know, as cheap as an e-bike. Uh, the range, did I tell you, by the way? No. If you add the second battery, you can have a 200 mile range. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> I know. That's what, what? I said. That's... I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to think of something else to say, but that's, that's, that's absurd. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about range. Nope. Not if you get the second battery. I don't even think, honestly, I don't think you need the second battery. I think I, yeah. one would be fine. But for the crazy people who want to ride it across the whole country. I yeah, suppose. I mean, I, I, you know, it, there's a lot of storage space. You can put a second person on the back. That There'll be that option. Mm. You can also put some kind of basket. I think for deliveries and stuff, yeah. uh, this is even more efficient than the Deliverator. Yeah. Then I got to check out on the FUV. Uh, remember, they've been talking about new steering uh, because it is a little bit tough to steer two wheels when you're at slow speeds. So they've worked on a couple things. First is they've been able to shorten the linkage physically. So just manually, it's easier to turn now. Okay. And then they've been working on torque vectoring, which means that the wheels help you turn. So it's even easier to steer. And so that should be coming out soon, too. So that was really fun to check out. Are we ready to go? Uh, yeah, oh, but you got to put your seatbelt. On. I have to. Experimental Mark? vehicle. All right. Are we fired up? Do I need to do anything? We're good. Looks okay. like you're uh, good to roll. All right. Oh, I'm going very low speeds, and I already feel something different. Oh wow! So at slow speeds, I can turn really easily. And so yeah, I mean, I remember when I rode um, some of the FUVs that we got to test out over the past. Yeah, you years. drove them. Yes, uh, you drove them. <laughs> when you weren't moving, or when you were moving very slowly, it took a lot of force to turn the the handlebars. Um, but you're saying that basically they were able to physically change it and make it easier to. Yeah, turn. two changes: one with motors and one with linkages. That's really sweet. Yeah. And next, I got to take the whole factory tour, and this is really exciting as well because if you remember, in the early days, a year ago, mm -hmm. they had AMP 
which was their factory. Mm -hmm. And it looks big on video, but it's not that big. Mm -hmm. um, and then they got Ramp, which is their new facility, and Mark took me around there. Oh, wow. Does it ever get old? Uh, it doesn't. <laughs> I just always think of this scene from Wayne's World where they, uh, they open the, Wayne opens the door to a bunch of like training ninjas. <laughs> I kind of feel that way every time I walk into this facility. It's like, wow, we actually get to do this? Yeah, all right. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. Now, I don't want to show you the whole ramp tour here because it was a little bit long and it's, it's detailed. Uh, I was thinking we'd put that whole thing up on disruptive investing. So if you're into Arkimoto and you want to know all of the deets, we'll put that up there. You can go check that out. We should have that up, I think, this weekend. Is it true that mass production is the hardest part? I mean, you've been in this for years and years, right? Is this really as tough as Elon says it is? I've got my own opinions. I, I would say uh, every part has been the hardest part. Okay. Um, and we've just gotten better and better at tackling big problems. I think one of the real advantages we have versus building a full-size car is it's, it's, it's a much simpler platform. Mm -hmm. It's a much smaller platform. Um, and so, you know, kind of the, the sort of the super massive production equipment and facilities that you see in Tesla, a lot of those we won't ever have. Gotcha. But now let's talk about some of the interesting points of this tour. What what really caught you? I didn't understand production. Just like Elon says, mass production is the hardest part. And I thought, well, that means it's hard to make a million parts. No, I still didn't get it. The super cool thing about really all that we've set up from laser cutting to welding to machining to plastics is that it is uh, production equipment it's also really great prototyping equipment to speed up the development process on all the different programs we've got going. So cool. And is that, I mean, has that led to some of the reasons why you guys have come up with so many new products recently? When, when those products go from an R&D concept into, okay, this is gonna be a production product, that's when we do the work here to get the plastics right, uh, program in the lasers and the vendors and so on to get the metal fab right. And so this manufacturing setup really lets us leverage that. When you make a prototype, it's not perfect yet. You still need your customers to try it, test it, find little changes. And because it's a vehicle, there's dozens of little things that might need to be changed. Maybe you want to move a button over here or change the headlight. If you make that change, if you've already ordered 100,000 of the headlight, then you're stuck with that headlight. Okay. So what they're trying to do at Arkimoto is find a way to iterate quickly and cheaply without having to buy a million of one of the parts that might need to be changed. And that's what they talked about on the tour is that they have all these machines that let them iterate fairly quickly and inexpensively so that when they do finally get it right, then they can send those parts out to get mass produced. I see. And so when Elon talks about like, you know, prototypes are easy, it's because, you know, oh, I took some bubble gum and I put it on here and dried it and then I shaved it with a thing and then I painted over it. And it's like, you can't do that on a production right. line, obviously. Well, I'll give you an example. Take a look at this machine here. It's probably familiar to you. Is that a thermal forming machine? Exactly. I thought there's just one way to make the form, mm -hmm. which is aluminum. I've seen those before. And yep. so you're seeing those on that wall here, big wall full of aluminum forms. But those are expensive to make. Mm -hmm. And you only make those when you're sure that that's the shape you want. Look at this other wall over here. That's a wall that's not made of aluminum forms. That's some other very cheap to make. Don't, they don't last that long, but they're good for iterating. You know, let's make a couple of these and see if they work. Right. And I mean, this is not new to anyone who's familiar with this form of uh, manufacturing. Uh, but for most people, we don't know what thermal forming looks like. And yeah, when we do see it, it's on how it's made. Right. And so, yeah, of course, they have the production version of the mold. But yeah, you can make molds out of different stuff. And thermal forming is great because it's yeah. super uh, super cheap to produce molds for it. Exactly. And so now that they have their own machines and they can do this, they can iterate fast and they can make parts and they don't have to wait for them to come from China. And as Mark was saying, they can, once they've 
you know, finished and finalized the design, they can get it injection molded if that's gonna be cheaper. Exactly. For some of the plastics, there will likely come a time when it makes sense to injection mold certain parts if we're, when we're building, you know, 50, 100,000 vehicles right, right, a year. Right. Uh, but there you're talking about incredibly expensive tooling. Right. Uh, and that's where you really want to make sure everything is perfectly dialed for right. mass mass production. And that's where you know we'll, we'll get there in the next couple of years. Yeah, so it was really great to see them producing. I guess the only downside to me was I was expecting more than six a day to be being made right now, but they are busy uh, ramping up the ramp. And so I guess that also takes a lot of their efforts too. Yeah, I mean, if you take a look at the ramp facility, it's not fully up and running right um it was cool that you got to get onto that second floor and get a nice overview of it and yeah they're going to be moving all of their engineering department up there so that their engineers are close to production i think that that's great and yeah it definitely seems like they're going to be able to ramp up production a little bit higher yeah um, once they get the full thing going yeah very exciting stuff i'm really pumped about it so we're going to be talking about that on our investor club so head on over to patreon.com now you know there you can support us for as little as a buck a month but if you want to join some of our other perk levels like our investor club we talk a lot more about ways that you can make money Thank you so much for joining us on this in-depth. We hope you enjoyed it. And again, if you want to see the whole tour, you can head over to our other channel, Disruptive Investing, where you're going to get the entire shebang and see the entire factory from tip to, to tail. If you take a minute and hit the like button, it really helps out this channel. We'd really appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Now you know. <laughs>